Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. As we head into the last few days of electioneering in the local government elections, we at Hiraith look back on a campaign, what we can expect, and some other little political bits that have happened in the month of April. Uh, and joining me and Kerry today is Sean Bendel from That's Devolved. Hello, Sean. Hi, Matt, and thanks for having me back. So, Sean, at Hiraith, we've tried over the last sort of couple of months to draw a focus a little bit on the local government elections. But I mean, and this is conversations I've had with other people from other media organisations as well. There hasn't seemed to be a huge peak in the interest of people in Wales about the local government elections. And it seems to be in a pretty apathetic campaign all over. Do you think that's a fair assessment of, of the state of coverage of the local elections or at least engagement with it? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I think, generally speaking, people don't get too excited about local government elections in Wales because it's, well, usually there's not that much exciting that happens. I think a lot of people kind of expect it to mirror last year's Senate elections and it to be a case of how well do Labour do rather than any surprises being turned up. And I think this is on the back of Labour having done pretty well in 2017. So you could just see not much change at all. There will be a couple of seats. I think we'll get onto that in a few minutes, have a chat about a few different places. But I just think that's it. If you're a sort of politics watcher, it's not that interesting because you kind of feel like you already know what the outcome is going to be. And if you're an everyday person on the street, you've probably had enough of elections, votings and polls. So this is the least interesting one you're going to have anything to do with. So why would you get excited about it? Yeah, it's quite hard to sort of create a really good narrative as well, isn't it, over a local government election, because they are just sort of 22 individual elections. But beyond that, there are hundreds and hundreds of little individual elections, um, all with their own weird little local foibles. But again, something that throws a spanner in the works is the huge amount of independence in Wales. You know, Wales with its significant independent tradition, it's, it's even harder than when you've got Labour standing against an independent incumbent or Conservative standing against an independent incumbent? Because how does that work with the terms of the national political narrative? We'll get into this a bit later, but from what I've heard from various parties, well, this is always the case, but bits of their message play much better in rural compared to urban areas. But also within that, I think some controversies are more damaging in certain areas, such as Pygate, and like I said, we'll get into that in, in some places than they are in others. Kerry, what's been your... Um, assessment of the last sort of well six weeks or so of the short campaign but of the broader election more generally yeah i think we summed it up in the question there it does seem to have been quite an apathetic campaign i i'm certainly campaigning with some very excited and motivated people on the common ground in uh, cardiff and i think having spoken to some labor campaigners they've put a very keen campaign together but the public the press the media I just, I just don't think it has really done any kind of ignition, whether that's electoral fatigue or, as you all just said, it's not something which really does inspire people to go out and vote. But, you know, for me, it, it, we're talking about some of the services which are so important on the ground to people. It's also one of your biggest costs. You know, our council tax went through the £2,000 barrier this year, and I'm keen to know where that goes and whether it's spent well. So why people are not interested, and one of the questions I was going to ask tonight is, you know, should we be worried about this kind of apathy? I don't think we're going to get over 50% turnout 
or anything near that on Thursday. 6% of our seats are uncontested. I just don't think it's good for democracy at a local or a national level. Matt, do you think that's fair? Or Yeah, I mean, it's something to boil down into that, though, Kerry. I mean, obviously, we say 6%. In over you know nationwide, but I think you you I think that's again a really misleading figure because in Cardiff you know every election is contested. I mean the, the seat in which you're standing in contains is the longest ballot paper in the entire UK. You know it's got twenty candidates standing. So in Cardiff and places like that and Swansea and Newport, you're always going to have really fiercely contested elections. But then in places like Gwynedd and Pembrokeshire, where they've got maybe like 20 people, like 19, 20 people in, in those respective authorities being elected completely unopposed, which is, a, you know, it's a massive proportion. It's like ne- nearly a third of the seats in both those authorities without any election. That's thousands of people without any real chance to have their say in, 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 in our democratic processes. You know, and one of the things we, you know, all of us are here, I and I, you know, broader Welsh civic society always goes on about is the need to maybe have electoral reform in local authority election and maybe make it sort of STV or, or, or just in general more proportional than we currently have it. But even then, I don't think necessarily that will make people feel more engaged and feel like they can make a difference with their vote either if you had STV. I think you might see more politically diverse councils if that ha- were to happen, but I don't necessarily think it would engage people particularly. But that is, again, it's not an excuse not to do it. Fundamentally, it, it's just not viewed as that important an election. You don't tend to have these big media narratives around it and people don't realise quite how important their services are. I mean, you go through a general election campaign, which is, you know, in Wales, this issue wouldn't matter anyway, but you're talking about social care. And then you look at the importance of how social care is administered on a local level is your council elections. If you really care about social care, you should really care about your your council elections. But nobody seems to make that link. So it's just such a such a frustrating time for for people like us who are politics watchers. But I just don't know the the best way to to get this back into the the mainstream consciousness of people. Sean, I know you wanted to come in there, so I'm going to let you go back. Yeah, it's really just to agree with you on that point about you, know, you can't get out of bed in the morning without running into a local authority service. The second you walk out your door, you're on a local authority maintained road or something, which I know is a bit cliche to say, but you brought up social care then. But all the stuff that keeps you healthy is in your local authority, your leisure services, your social care, housing, education, transport. Local authorities do that. And I mean, over the last couple of years, and still ongoing, we've seen these huge multi-billion pound city deals going to places in South Wales, I think there's one up in North Wales around Wrexham as well, that have huge amounts of money that can fundamentally transform the way these areas look. Huge transport investment, huge infrastructure investment, but people don't seem to be engaged in wanting to shape how that money is going to be used over the next decade or so to fundamentally change the places where they live. Gary, did you have any thoughts without plugging all your uh, your policies from your manifesto? Yeah, well, I'm not going to bring the policies <laughs> from the manifesto in. I, I'm really pleased that we got a bit, so which is important to me, around social care for children and those who don't have a voice, which, uh, and that's, you know, why I want to do more in the public service because, um, you know, there's people we really need to serve better from what we do and they don't, don't feature in politics and they should be a lot more prominent than what they are. But no... I'd like to see just basic student politics techniques, so a reopen nominations. Um, one of the other seats I follow closely, as you all know, is my hometown of Hay, 
Hayes just got an uncontested seat, so the only Lib Dem um, uncontested has been elected already, but I would have kept it as reopened nominations so that people can express whether they're happy with that uh, approach or not. might be a bit simplistic, but the programme we did on local government, and I know I pushed this and you two were a little bit reluctant, but I'm glad we did it. I, I think we, saw, we had some good answers. I thought I was really pleased to hear Hugh Thomas of Cardiff say he was interested in local government reform. I think that in the next five years will become even more uh, of a opportunity and on the table and about discussion. I, I wonder if, if we're voting for 40 full-time councils in the southeast of Wales and similar across the rest of Wales, councillors rather than councils, whether that will create a greater buy-in and interest in a public looking to see who provides their services. But I, I'm in no doubt we need local government reform. And um, I think if we have another election of way below 50% engagement, I think there's a legitimacy to those who are in power. I think that has to be questioned. And uh, Sean mentioned there the, the city deals. I think Jeff, when he came on our pod, was again really good value, but mentioned that there's no scrutiny or control on that. I, I think we need to start looking at that next level of reform and how we present that to the public in Wales as a, as a positive thing. So I know we've, we're starting to touch on these individual local authorities. We're not going to do all 22 local authorities in Wales because one, we, we haven't got the time, but two, uh, so many of them are, are so obvious what's going to happen. But do you each have, you know, one or two places we think could be of interest in come Friday afternoon? Sean, do you want to start us off? I'm going to touch on one of those that we know how it's going to go, but it's how much it goes in that direction, really being a bit of a bellwether for the rest of the country. And I was talking to a friend about Swansea earlier, and it's in a situation in Swansea where Labour are going to win, and they're going to win well. I don't think that's debatable, but I think in Swansea you'll see a council where as far as a council can be popular... I'm saying that with very big sort of asterisks and everything around it, because I'm not sure a council can be popular. But as far as they can be seen to be doing something, Swansea is a council that can be seen to be doing something at this point in time. I don't know if you've spent much time there lately. I know you're allergic to the place, Matt. But um, they've had a lot of investment in infrastructure, built a new arena and all that sort of stuff there. So I think that is peak labour, really. And I think you're in a situation there where you could see sort of Tories, if not being completely wiped out, getting pretty close to being wiped out. And I think that will sort of show you in Wales the direction of travel, I guess, at the moment, is that sort of Drakeford bounce hanging on? Are those local issues cutting through? Or are you going to see sort of peak labour in those areas? Really, I've sort of thought a lot about places on the M4 corridor, and I think on top of Swansea, Bridgend is another interesting one to look at, purely because Labour were out of control last time. And you've got some particular local issues there. And again, this is a seat that swung to the Tories in 2019 in parliamentary elections, but in the Senate was won by Labour after Carmen stood down with Sarah Murphy won. So you're in a situation there of can independents and Tories stop Labour going back and taking control of the council again, I Brackler being the ward to watch there, if you want to go down to that sort of level, where the Tories won it last time, did really well there. And my stake being the other, where you had former Labour councillors deselected who stood 
against the party's independence and won on you know popular vote in the local area. So it's can Labour win back those areas, and how much of a factor is it that um, you know the national picture for Labour in Wales? And I think that'll be something else interesting that comes out of it over the next week. Not looking necessarily at that local level, but more broadly about what it means in terms of for Mark Drakeford, for Adam Price, and how that's extrapolated out to what it means for the Tories nationally and Keir Starmer with UK Labour and how that reflects on what happens in Wales. I mean, yeah, I think so many of the Labour struggles, I think, in the 2017 election do have to kind of be caveated in, 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 the, in the fact that if you, if you remember uh, that, that election in May, it was a, that was still very early on in the general election campaign of the, the election that eventually happened on the 8th of June. And, and Labour were still quite unpopular then. I mean, if you look at, for example, in Cardiff, in the ward I stood in, um, we did okay. But five weeks later, whatever it was, Labour won 80% of the vote in that ward. So I think that it's really important to, to note that in areas where Labour has traditionally been strong, but had a, maybe a bad night in 2017, I would expect them to do much better. So yeah, I think you're right. Places like Bridgend, for example, I can really easily see Labour retaking control of the authority quite clearly. You know, but I wanted to, I did want to pick up on the topic you said there about Tory wipeout, Sean. And, you know, from the people I've spoken to in, in the Welsh Conservatives, they are, you know, you'd think they'd be in a pretty bad mood, really, with everything going on in the national papers and in the national polling at the moment, but then they're not. And I think there are certain areas where things like Partygate are, are hurting them, you know, uh, middle I say middle class but more sort of um, inner city areas like you know, Whitchurch for example where Partygate is, is having a negative impact on the people who may vote conservative in, in local authority elections but from the conversations I've had in other areas in places that are traditionally very strong conservative areas it's not having the impact that you would you know if you're a Labour or a Liberal Democrat candidate necessarily think it would so I, I don't think we're going to see a, a, you know, a very bad night for the Conservatives, but I do think you'll see a, a better night for Labour. So that's the only way it could potentially end up being a bad night for the Conservatives if, if they, their 2017 results were artificially high. But I think overall, in terms of the history of Welsh local government elections, I don't think it will be a particularly terrible night for them. Um, no, Harry, no, 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 quickly, go on. No, no, yeah. I, want you, I, want, I want your honest appraisal on Cardiff. You know, obviously, you think I'll stand and get returned in Cates, but any any <laughs> thoughts on the wider Cardiff position? Again, okay, caveated in 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 the fact that every local government candidate, agent, organizer, etc., is always very positive at this stage of a local election campaign. But I, I do think that uh, Labour is going to do incredibly well in Cardiff. From I was having conversations a few weeks ago where people were predicting upwards of fifty seats which would be, you know, a significant majority in the council, a double-digit, you know, clearly double, easily double-digit majority. I can't see that not being the case because you look at, again, places that Labour lost seats in last time. They lost a few seats in, in, in West Cardiff and in North Cardiff. There's, there's wards like Heath that last time went one Labour, one Conservative, one Independent. I could very easily say see Labour winning all three seats there. You know, the, the candidates there will hate me in expectation management terms, but I, I can really see them winning the seats there. There's been boundary changes, of course. So 
in 2017 in the ward that was Flanishon and Thornhill, Labour won one seat and the Conservatives won three. Phil Bale stood down and that eventually became four Conservative councillors. Now that is two councillors in Flanishon and two in a new Lisbane and or three, sorry, in a new Lisbane and Thornhill ward. I, I can really easily see Labour winning those two, at least those two Lanishan seats and then maybe one of the Thornhill seats as well. Uh, Whitchurch, which is a very traditional Labour Tory battleground, I can very easily see Labour picking up uh, a number of those seats. That that tends to swing uh, either completely Conservative or completely Labour. I can very easily see Whitchurch and Tonguinlis getting a, a significant amount of Labour members. Then you look at places like Fairwater, Fairwater, which has traditionally been the, the stomping ground of Neil McAvoy and either play, uh, under, either as Plaid Cymru or as Propel. Uh, the noises that I'm hearing out of Fairwater have people very confident that Labour can take at least one of those seats, if not more. Okay, okay. Uh, you're, you're depressing me in my position as a common ground candidate, Ian. <laughs> I, what, you're what you're basically saying is we've got more student flats and concreting over green land over the next five years ahead of us anyway, anyway sorry. <laughs> I, sorry i would expect sorry. nothing less from you carrie in terms of the opportunity to campaign but what i will say <laughs> what i will say is that i do think that the the and i think i think lots of people would agree on this that what Plaid and the greens did in terms of trying to work together was was something that a lot of progressive people have always advocated for more progressive parties working together in order to try and achieve common aims but i i just think that if you're going to do something like that, you need more time to do it. You need a lot more publicity. You need uh, it's something that perhaps isn't going to work in a local government election where the media attention and media focus isn't, as, isn't as essentially where it needs to be. But there are some seats where, theoretically, you could see uh, the common ground candidates winning seats. I mean, the, the Landeth Ward, they were something like 90 Plaid Cymru was something like 90 votes away from winning a seat in Landeth last time, uh, which, you know, they, with a good election and combined votes, you may see them take that last seat, especially if Turner is depressed. But I cannot say hand on heart that I, you will see common ground candidates elected. And I know that that's not what you want to hear, Kerry, but I, I, I just can't see it unless there was much more attention played to, to elections at a local authority level. Uh, I, I'm very realistic on things, and I I value your honest appraisal. Um, and we shall see. Um, I, I think the the leadership predictions are probably a little wide off the mark, but um, you know there are a few places where there might be some some success. And like you said, I think this is something which has got to be built rather than just put together uh, towards the campaign. And for me personally, I'm hopeful that this is a start of progressive parties in Wales working together. Um, and we can build on whatever happens uh, Thursday, um, because it's certainly shown an appetite amongst certain organisers to do things differently. And I think that's very much my politics. We need to change things and work differently. I'm going to be quick because I know there's a lot of things. The ones I'll be following are Merthyr. I think it's uh, independent, um, just by a couple of seats and has had a lot of problems in the last five years. So it'll be interesting to see whether those problems uh, hit that independent leadership. And, of course, I'll be following Powys with some interest. Again, it's had some uh, boundary changes, reduction in uh, councillor numbers, and uh, currently got an independent Conservative minority. So we'll be interested to see where that goes. But as you two have said, I'm not expecting a huge deal of change, actually, in terms of 
who gets what seats and um, the overall makeup of that council. I think the independent conservative history of Powys may well continue. So uh, I don't want to, I don't want to go on. Sorry, Matt. No, I was just going to say, I think Merthyr, Merthyr is um, as close as a cut and shut Labour gain as you can get, really. Yeah. I think that with the, because that's gone down to 30 councillors, if my memory serves me correctly, and Labour, even under the old boundaries, I think only needs to win two seats in order to take it back. And as you say, with, with issues with the independent management of the council, I can't see how Labour don't at least get, you know, a couple of extra seats in order to take that back. I think, you know, and Powys is, you're right, Powys is a really fascinating one because that has been such a, like a, a heartland of independent councillors in Wales. But obviously those numbers have come down now. There was a huge issue in within the, the conservative group in Powys, lots of... Um, defections etc resignations general concerns from local conservatives about the running of that of that party there so i do think that's really interesting and i think that that is that's going to be a i think one of the most interesting places to watch in wales is powys because i think that it's a sort of area where i don't think Partygate will really matter to the people who are going to vote conservative anyway so their vote should maybe stay quite strong but it's the one bit of wales where i think if the lib dems are going to do really well that is it so I can't see the Lib Dems necessarily having a, a you know a smashing the blue wall down that like they've been doing in England, um, but I can I can see in Powys them doing quite well. So I think if you're a Lib Dem, keep your eye on Powys. It's probably your best chance of a of a happy night. I think for the Lib Dems as well, it's worth watching a seat like Waterfront in Swansea, which is new and it's the sort of prime Lib Dem territory. It's not traditional Labour because it's it's too new to be that. It's in Swansea, so it's not really going to be Tory, and it's in the non-Tory part of Swansea. So I think that's a f- decent place for the Lib Dems to look. And I think the independent point is an interesting one because you've seen over the last couple of days Labour really ramp up its attacks on independent candidates. Uh, there's been an attack ad going around, which is vote Lib Dem, get Tories, that sort of thing. And places where the Lib Dems, not Lib Dems, sorry, independents traditionally do very well, like Neathport Albert, where you don't get conservatives standing, really. They've come out all guns blazing for the two different independent groups you have there to try and push them back. So I think you are seeing Labour turning on the independents in a really big way. I think what could be interesting coming out of this week is what's a really bad night for some of the parties? If Plaid Cymru, for example, don't make progress, especially after last year where the Senate election was bad for them, there's no two ways about that. Does Adam Price again look shaky? Is there anything in that, perhaps? I I, I mean, look, I, I, I've... Uh, I'm getting laughs from the uh, producer extraordinaire there, Mr. Martin, because he's heard me say this so many times already the last few months, but I do genuinely think Clyde are going to have a really bad night. I just don't know where they're going to make gains. I think that if you look at places like RCT, they made gains in RCT with Labour suffering in the national polls. I think you can see, easily say see Labour taking back a lot of the seats applied gains in, in RCT. I, I think that there's actually, from what I've heard, a very good chance that Labour do very well in somewhere like Carmarthenshire. So if Labour do very, very well in Carmarthenshire at the detriment of Plaid Cymru candidates, if Labour do better than Plaid Cymru in Command and I'm not saying that they will, but if, if they start to get closer to Plaid Cymru in terms of seats won in Carmarthenshire, you know, that is Price's home council. Yeah, I think there may be some pressure. I think he will be saved, though, by, by the fact that 
not anybody really, I mean, the councillors who lose their seats will, but not everybody else necessarily cares about local authority elections. I think that's an interesting contrast, though, to what might happen in the UK if the Conservatives have a really bad night overall. I think that if they lose sort of 800 councillors, like some people are predicting, you could you could see a few Tory MPs getting a bit uh, nervy about their seats in Parliament. But I, I don't think the same would be true if Plyde had a bad night here. I can't see if, you know, if they back price after a really bad night last year i think i don't think it would be another bad night in a in a local authority election that would see his demise you know right i'm going to move us on because the local government apathy is spreading to my house as well but it's not the only election this week and i know matt you and rich have done a lot of work on the the whole northern Ireland thing and we had a podcast recently looking at this and Thursday in Northern Ireland is looking to be very, very interesting politically. Any thoughts on that? I, I see Sinn Féin are currently a considerable six, seven points ahead in the polls. Yes. So uh, the last the last lucid talk poll that I can find from sort of the end of April uh, has Sinn Féin on 26 points and the DUP on 20. I mean, that DUP figure is far better than the sort of 13% you were looking at. Uh, August last year, but it still would put them in second place. Another something that is worth considering, though, I think more broadly than than just a, a party A versus party B, is the sort of war, the broader unionist versus republican dynamic within Northern Ireland and the way they elect uh, their MLAs. I think that if you look if you look at from that last lucid talk poll, if you combine Sinn Féin and the SDLP's polling figure, you get something around 36%. Whereas if you combine the DUPs, the UUPs and the TUV, the Democratic Unionist Party, the also Unionist Party and the traditional uh, Unionist Voice Party, the more hardline Unionist Party, you end up with about 43% of the vote. So I, 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 you can easily see a situation where Sinn Féin are the largest individual party, but I think you might also see the fact that their unionists are a larger block than uh, those nationalist politicians within the Stormont Assembly. So that's an interesting dynamic to, to keep an eye on, I think, because that obviously has an impact on when parties can use the petition of concern, which has been used time and time again to, to veto legislation such as a, an Irish language act. Sean, uh... Friend of the pod, Theo Davis-Lewis, wrote a really interesting piece in The National this week about uh, should Sinn Féin win, Wales will be a lone voice standing up for the UK uh, going forward. Have you got any thoughts on that kind of take or what might be happening in Northern Ireland? I have a lot of complicated thoughts on where Wales sit within the Union that if I go into, we're going down a rabbit hole. So uh, I won't touch on those so much, but I think... It's interesting what Matt said. I think you missed out there, Matt, is you do have parties like People Before Profit and things like that. If they manage to get some MLAs across the line, then that does start to change the numbers a bit further. But in Northern Ireland, what's particularly interesting, you hear all of these rumours around, might the UK government trigger the um, Brexit protocols and whatnot to do with Northern Ireland following the election there? So you end up in a situation where Sinn Féin, largest party, UK government triggers something to do with Brexit and we're heading for a fun constitutional crisis that would give you podcasts for months afterwards. You know, a sort of situation, the worst case scenario really imaginable in that being you have a 
nationalist largest party in Northern Ireland and a very unionist, supposedly unionist, they are unionists, but they don't do it very well, UK government, are sort of at loggerheads. And I think that makes for a very, I'll say, interesting situation in Northern Ireland's potential outcome of the election. I think another factor to consider there, though, Sean, is that if after the election, because Sinn Féin are the largest party and would therefore have the right to be have the title of first minister as opposed to deputy first minister, you could very easily see a situation in which no executive is formed at all. <laughs> so you could have a situation where the UK government triggers the uh, much-talked-about uh, Brexit protocols and there isn't a Northern Irish executive in which to voice the concerns of Northern Ireland. And then you end up with direct conversations happening over Northern Ireland between Britain and the EU and Britain and the Republic of Ireland. So I think that is a situation that could get very, very difficult if there isn't the, if it doesn't, there's no impression that Northern Ireland has a direct say in what's happening to it, which, you know, as constituent nations of the UK, we're all very used to, but it's, you know, it's in a very different context in a much more heated context. I think that could be very, um, very tricky and something which we'll all watch with, you know, bated breath, hoping it goes okay. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to come back to what Kerry sort of said there about Labour and being potentially the last voice for the union. Now, I know, I think the problem you get there is the union means very different things to all of those people supposedly defending it from the different angles. And I think if you want to sort of sum up Mark Drakeford, he's a Bevanite in that regard, isn't he? He believes that the union is what it was in 1945. And for the sake of my membership card, I'm not going to say if I disagree with him or not. But I think you do end up in a situation, and more and more so, where the union means something very different to the different constituent nations of the UK. And I think it's just something I was reading earlier, and I know it's a bit of a non-issue really, but that book that's been published for the Jubilee, and the Tories are obviously pushing that forward as a big, um, this is how Great Britain is, but it's been refused by the Welsh Labour government. And I think you can make the argument there about you know republicanism among socialists or whatever but i think it's much more to do with how they conceptualize the uk and don't buy into those parts that the tories do about what makes up britishness so i think you're in a situation where and I, this isn't really new news but where for a lot of the uk or a lot of the governments of the uk by the the English government, effectively the Westminster government, it's about money and nothing else at this point. And I think that with what you see at the moment with the cost of living crisis, and as we're just sort of talking about more potential political strife over Northern Ireland, just adds on to the strain on the relationship in the union. So we've covered our elections, I think, uh, in enough detail. What else happened in April that was of particular interest to you? I mean, obviously, not a huge amount happened in the Senev because it was in recess. But Kerry, what have the Welsh government been dripping through in their announcements that could be of interest to our listeners? There's lots of stuff that goes on. Um, I, I'd encourage people at the end of the month just to have a look at all the announcements that come out of Welsh government uh, of that month and see what what might be of interest to them and doesn't get picked up by the mainstream media. I, I just kicked off on Twitter on solar panels on schools because it's something I've been trying to do for 10 years and we could have got feed-in tariffs of like 15% uh, 10 years ago, but we've done it when it's minuscule. But then we've got a new children's commissioner, which I think passed me by. So congratulate 
Uh, Rocky Kafir. Rich, you're going to have to edit that one. (laughs) (laughs) Rocio Kibuentes. So there's lots to be seen coming out of Welsh Government. Again, I think we've said it in previous uh, chatty pods, nothing seems to be jumping out into the mainstream media. I was really interested to see something from non-mainstream media this week with the Voice Wales piece into the Penguin mine and whether Welsh Government could have stopped that or whether it was UK, and I think that's got a lot to run. And for those who haven't heard about that, it's a... Uh, it's the argument about who controls the decision on that 43 million tonnes of coal coming out of the ground in West Wales. Obviously really difficult, but um, no one seemed to want to make the, have the responsibility for that, probably understandably so. But I'm really pleased that groups such as The Voice are looking into that. So that was one of mine. Um, outside uh, Wales, you know, I, I'm sure somebody might mention Finegate and whether Prime Minister can can uh, lead us breaking his own laws. But I thought the French election uh, was a really interesting outcome in the end. You know, I thought our pod on that was really good. It's got some good feedback. And from that, I think think it's quite worrying that Le Pen, although she lost, it's consistently going up above 40% in France now. So it'll be interesting to see what Macron does in the next five years to tackle that. But even this week, um, we talked in the pod a lot about uh, Melancor, and I see that he has announced an alliance with the Greens. So it might be another player in five years' time in in the French political establishment. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. Matt, you you are the one who who looks at this day in, day out. What are the big ticket items from Wales that you've seen in the last month? But like I said, Terry, I mean, because the Senate has been uh, on recess, I don't think there's been a huge, huge amount. I think that they, we've had one week of Senate business now since uh, recess. And I think that there's a couple of key themes that uh, are starting to appear. I think there was numerous references to the... Uh, to the structural funds, what they call the Shared Prosperity Funds at FMQs this week. Vicky Howells, Ken Skates, and Kevin Campbell all raised concerns about that, you know, the fact that Wales will lose a billion pounds over the next few years in terms of its funding. It represents a very worrying uh, statistic and worrying reality for people in Wales. I think that's something that's only going to get more concerning as budget decisions have to be made. I think that, uh, of course, the cost of living crisis continues to be um, a huge issue. I mean, Mabon of Gwynball led a debate in the Senate on Wednesday of last week talking about, well, the cost of living crisis, particularly in the context of housing, actually quoting the report that the Bevan Foundation uh, came on the pod to discuss with us. Uh, So if if anyone wants to hear more about that, please go back and listen to the pod we did with them. That was really interesting work. But again, it's a tragedy what's happening in terms of people's ability to be able to, to, to afford their rents. And I think that's only going to get more uh, problematic as, as things go on with inflation set to rise again. And I think, um, I know, we're, you know we've just had our Easter break and as we head into the summer, uh, the, the concept of the tourism levy is going to be a huge issue in the Senate and one to keep an eye on because the Conservatives are keep, keep going on it. I mean, last week you had not only a, a Conservatives-led debate on tourism in Wales, raising particular concerns about 
the tourism tax, as they call it, but also the changes to uh, the rates of occupation for self, you know, for self catering properties when they can be treated as genuine second homes versus uh, businesses and have to start paying non-domestic rates. Uh, and that was raised not only in their debate, but numerous times in other question sessions as well. So that's something they're really going to push out because they they see it as a as a as a good strong political weapon to use against Labour and Plaid Cymru, especially in areas that have high tourist numbers in Wales. So I, I can see that being a, a key attack line for the Conservatives moving forward. So that's all. You know, we've only been back a week. Uh, this week, you know, this week's Senate business is very, very light because most of the MSs will be trying to get away as quickly as is physically possible to go door knocking. So I wouldn't expect too many big announcements this week. But once the elections are out of the way, I think that we'll get back into a better, more regular, reliable rhythm of political news in Wales. And so hopefully by the time we come to do our next chatty pod, I can give you a better update of, of the key themes that have happened in, in May. But, you know... Just everyone should have enjoyed their Easter, really, is what I'm getting at. I, I, I think Sean's going to trump you and give us a few tasty morsels in the last month. Other than I bet you'll wish even more you had, Meg, if that's what you expected from me right now, because I, I haven't got much from Wales. The same, I think, perhaps one of the more interesting things to come out of it, uh, the Senate, is actually the announcement from Hannah Blythin on... Um, Welsh Government looking to do what it can to ban conversion therapy, which... Obviously, you had the rolling back for the Tories on that, which caused a lot of controversy. It's, and I think it'll cause a lot of strife internally in the Labour Party, sadly, because it should be a non-issue. And if you want to go back to what you were sort of saying earlier, Matt, about sort of Cardiff Norths of the world and places like that, where you do get those sort of liberal middle classes, I think this is the sort of issue that might interest some of them in the constitutional debate as well. I think you sort of see culture war issues so to speak, I don't like using culture war in that way, but where Welsh government takes a very particular line on it that does draw people into that, well, what more could Wales do in certain situations? So I think you've got something interesting playing out there. On top of that, I think while we spent the week in Westminster, you know, you've had the party gate stuff, you've had people arguing over whether or not Angela Rayner was in Basic Instinct or whatever that was about, and those sort of awful headlines. The Tories sort of pushed through over the last few days some quite controversial acts that really passed without much notice in the end, like the police and crime bill went through this week, the election and voting bill, which brings in voter ID in England. Being on that's devolved, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but make the point that the voter ID only applies for general elections in Wales. And there was also reform to the NHS pushed through in England, which sort of starts to undo the marketization that's been seen in some ways. And I think that's something that people sort of missed. That's actually quite interesting in a policy sense. If you're a policy nerd like me writing a PhD on health policy, that's sort of very interesting. But it is very quiet week in a lot of regards, but you have seen those bills that have come through kind of unnoticed. I know people picked up on the fact that the Electoral Commission would go into government control, but some of the other stuff hasn't really been picked up on. So thanks very much to Sean and Kerry for witching on with me for far too long uh, about local elections and what what house is happening uh, across the UK and has happened in April. Um, obviously, We've been focusing a lot on elections for the last few weeks. We just want to wish everybody who's standing 
in these elections the absolute best of luck regardless of your political affiliation uh, all the here i team have at one time or another stood in elections we recognize the unbelievable amount of effort it takes to do this and the um you know sometimes the incredible bravery it takes to put yourself out there and have your ideas uh, be subject to challenge and honestly thank you for doing it we at here I and obviously that's devolved to are all about increasing engagement and awareness of a civic wales so what we will say to you now is please continue to moan please continue to bicker but the one thing you must do this thursday is go out and vote thank you for listening to hereith if you like what you heard please don't forget to subscribe rate and review